0: More than two?
1: More than two. This (laughs) is good. (laughs) We're going to be at least your third, if not many (laughs) more than that. Um,
2: Lost count,
0: I think. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We're so grateful and thankful that you are here with us this morning to share your story, to share your wisdom. And there will be a chance for you to engage in dialogue, but I'm going to hand over to you now. Welcome.
2: Thank you, Simon. (laughs) We're happy to be here with you this morning. Can you hear me okay? Is it all right? Can you hear me? Is this Mike? Let's see. Is that better? Can you hear me? Is he? Yeah, I think I will use the handheld and take this off.
0: Uh, Be gone, Mike.
1: testing one, two, it's low. Yeah.
2: Okay. It's low, but I will speak up. So I'm going to read you a brief piece. This is going to be sort of a then and now. I'm going to read a brie- brief piece that I wrote for Time Magazine uh, that ran just a few months ago. And Tane is going to read something uh, more current that will bring you to where we are right now. In January 2011, my husband's son and I went to church for the first time. We'd chosen an Episcopal parish for our potential spiritual home. At the communion rail, I tried to get Tane, then six years old, to dip his wafer into the wine, but he wanted to chew on the morsel dry and then sip from the cup. A woman lowered the silver chalice to his lips. Tane tasted the wine and recoiled. He he didn't spit it out, a relief, but but his face exploded with disgust, and he rose from the kneeling cushion with his mouth open, his tongue hanging out. My husband husband took him to the bathroom to wash away the sting.
0: How do people drink this stuff?
2: Already I was wondering what had we gotten ourselves into. We were there because I jumped on Tane's innocent query. What's Sunday school and can I go? Yes, I said, what a great idea, we'll all go. I know personal faith is important and I wanted Tain to understand his own, but let's not kid ourselves. Developing a spiritual life for your child in this boisterously secular world is kind of like being Noah, building the ark. You have the feeling people are looking at you strangely, What do you need that for? That thing is huge, unwieldy, unnecessary. What a waste of time. There's little to counteract this attitude, especially when Sundays are taken up with sports and homework. The concept of Sabbath went out the window long ago. But psychologist Lisa Miller insists there is scientific support for raising children with religion The research in her book, The Spiritual Child, showed that children who have, quote, a positive active relationship to spirituality are 40% less likely to use and abuse substances, 60% less likely to be depressed as teenagers, 80% less likely to have dangerous or unprotected sex. They are more likely to have positive markers for thriving and high levels of academic success. The secular world presses in. Building that ark can feel like a quixotic endeavor. But here's the thing: eventually it real, it will rain. And for my family, it fell torrentially. Nearly two years after that first communion. Tane was sitting in his third grade classroom in Sandy Hook Elementary when a gunman blasted his way into the building and killed 26 adults and children including Tane's godbrother, Ben. I barely have words for the grief that washed over us. We lived in an ocean of tears. I thought my heart would turn to stone and I would sink forever. One night Not long after the tragedy, I was putting Tane to bed, and I asked how he was doing, how he was feeling about Ben. I wasn't even sure if this was the right thing to ask, and I didn't know what he would say. But he looked at me, his brown eyes filled with wonder. Mama, I just have the feeling I'm going to see Ben again. He's going to come down from heaven, and he's going to be here with all of us. Yes, I told him. I think you're right. I realized this is what faith does; it provides buoyancy, sh- allowing you to rise to the surface and not drown in grief. In our ark, we have a community, including our pastor, family, and friends, who support us and affirm this sense of grace in God's message that says, as the Christian writer Frederick Buechner says, "Here is the world." Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I believe all children have some connection to a higher power. It's just a matter of encouraging them to know it is real and giving them the space to explore it. But even so, I was surprised by how quickly Tane grasped it and could call upon his faith as a source of strength and comfort. I know many parents are at a loss as to how to help their children develop faith, especially if their own is wanting. All I can suggest is this, begin. Whatever your religion or spiritual orientation, just start walking the path. You'll see right away it is neither straight nor perfect, but in a world that does little to prepare us for devastating loss. Nor for appreciating life's light and joy. It is a path that makes sense. Thank you. I'm going to let Tane take I'm for a
0: moment Move the chair over here. You're going to use the chair? Yes. Yo. Hello, my name is Tim Gregory, and I'm going to do my speech now. All right. So, um, this past October, I stood with my mom in front of a crowd of people of all ages at Trinity Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We gave a speech about our book, This Child of Faith, to an audience of 160 people. Many people were, were many people in the meeting asked me questions about my experiences and my strong faith. But it was really nice when I got to talk to a younger boy named Colin. Colin was real was very energetic and asked questions as fast as a cheetah. We talked to each other after the speech, and he and he asked questions about people who are mean to each other. I think I really helped him a lot. My mom and I have been giving speeches in in many other churches in many different states. We've been doing this for about a year. When I started writing this child to faith, I was only in seventh grade. Now, it's almost um, been a year since the book, and a lot has changed since then. I find it amazing that I've been going to church for nearly eight years. I've gone from being a novice in the church choir to being the crucifer leading the church service. I've just started confirmation class, and I've really been enjoying it. Confirmations when you confirm your faith to Christ. we w- were learning ways to connect with God, and we've been... Also learning more about Christianity. I have some really nice teachers and really nice classmates who are there to help me on my confirmation journey. In one of the meetings, we talked about what sci- things that society wants us to believe. For example, that you should listen to specific types of music and wear specific types of clothes. We wrote these on a big sheet of paper and then burned it in a fire. Then, on another sheet of paper, we wrote things that we believe. Things that no one tells us to believe, but that we choose to believe ourselves. This was a really good exercise to show that we control what we want to believe. And that you can expand your faith by believing what you want. I know that believing has helped me a lot in my own faith a lot. I'm thinking about this now because... Um, A few weeks ago was the 6th anniversary of the shooting, um, not a few weeks ago, a few months ago was the anniversary of the shooting at, at my former school, Sandy Hook Elementary, and the death of my friend Ben. Ben was very close to me, and losing him was very hard. I think that experience of the shooting brought me a lot closer to God, because when it happened, I began praying al- praying to God a lot more often th- because I felt sad. But God was helping me th- with what I was going through because he was there for me. Today, Ben m- reminds me of the character Asriel Dreamer, um, a child from a video game called Undertale. Both of them have a very innocent nature, and they were both very kind and friendly. The main thing that that they share is that they were both killed. Recently, when I was playing through Undertale... I noticed this connection between Ben and Asriel. I started to cry during Asriel's speech at the end of the game. It was It's a very sad speech, because he died for no reason like Ben. But I love playing Undertale anyway, because I like seeing Ben and so many of my other friends in the game's characters. Asriel is still a very powerful character. Me, ter- character. Ben is also very powerful, and he still has the power to be here. Even though he's gone... I feel his spirit is still here, and he's still determined to make us happy. And God is always there for me. I know that he will always be there for me. Whenever I'm feeling worried about myself, or my family, or any of my friends, praying to God is always helpful because I can always ask him to watch over the person I am praying about. I can always trust God to watch over my parents, and my friends, and my family, because I know he will find a way to make things better. All you have to do is ask him for help. It's like what Dumbledore says in the film Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You will find that help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. This is the same with God. You can ask God for help. You can always ask God for help. I learned more about talking to God. There is one part in my book where I talk about places I'm able to pray. Explains that you can pray to God wherever you are. You don't have to be in a church kneeling down at an altar. You can talk to God at your house, or at the supermarket, and even at a gas station. God is always free to listen to you because He cares about you.
2: you. So, I don't know if my mic is working.
0: I think mine is. Yeah,
2: yours is definitely working. So I wanted to ask you, Tane, about how you manage to hold that that space of what you just spoke about, of being in that positive way of, of thinking in terms of, you know, Ben is all around, despite the fact that you are getting older and your friends don't have a similar outlook about life.
0: I mean, so one reason I s- want to stay positive is because being positive feels a lot better than being negative i mean when you're when you're feeling negative you you feel hurt and sometimes feeling too negative, you feel the need to hurt yourself or hurt others, and that's never a good thing so it's it's always a better thing to stay positive because it it's it's always better for yourself and better for others and it and you staying positive. It's like it's like a bunch of candles laid out on a flat terrain, If, but like on one thing, sort of. So like, say one wick thing is burned, and then, I'm not sure this is how candle logic works, this is how it's going in my mind, and then the fire begins to spread. No, 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 it's more like trees, it's more like trees, not candles. Scrap that. It's more like trees, so like one leaf or something is on fire showing the light. And then the fire begins to spread. So one person being positive, the positivity can spread like a fire in a forest. Forest fires are not good, though. But positivity <laughs> <laughs> is Actually, t- <laughs> t- but,
2: but forest fires <laughs> Cycle of the forest that that we f- we fight against because that's our nature as a society, but we forget that after that fire there is growth. So that that was good. You didn't realize that you got. Hey. <laughs> Childish, yeah. In your outlook,
0: I mean, there is a bit of like a a childish outlook in it because, because like kids kids minds are like, their the imagination inside of a sh- inside of a child compared to adult is like a lot more expansive. So you're able to believe thing believe in things that aren't there, that aren't easy to see a lot more easily. So like. So if so, if you're one who who holds on to it, and the other people don't, some other people can like see you differently because you're so believing in things that they can't see, even though in reality, usually those things are really there, and the the older people are usually just looking too hard to see it.
2: Yeah, and that was actually a message Christ had right about about coming into the kingdom of God, like being as a child, in order to do that. We were at a, uh, we did a book event in Manhattan uh, recently, and do you remember the question when um, the interviewer asked, uh, there's a part in our book where I talk about my future, my hope for Tain's future faith, and the interviewer asked a very interesting question. He asked you, what was your hope for my future faith, do you remember what you said?
0: Uh, Yes, I was talking about how, I hope that as my as my faith expands, that my mother's faith expands as well, because it's like how she teaches me, and I also teach her I- in in a response. It's like it's like a cycle.
2: It it is definitely that, and I am constantly amazed by that cycle. And I think that that's what's hard for a lot of parents when they think about faith in their children, that they are quick to abdicate that learning because they feel that their own faith is wanting or they feel they don't know enough. And if you read our book, you'll see how many times in that book I say, both to Tane and myself, I don't know. I simply don't know. And I was, you know, I considered myself a spiritual person before we started going to church. I've always felt a very strong connection to God ever since I was a child, which is how I knew he would feel the same. But I was totally unprepared for how much my faith would grow in walking this path with you and how much it required of me to be awake and aware to what I did not see around me that you naturally saw. Here's an example. When, uh, I I think you remember this, when he started going to uh, Sunday school, we started going to church, I would ask him after each class, okay, what'd you learn today, right? I wanted to be on it, right? And one day he said, uh, we We learned about faith. We learned about faith. And I said, okay, you know what that is, right? That's when you believe in something that you don't see, like God. And you said, do you remember?
0: But, Mama, I see God everywhere. (laughs) I see God at the post office.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) then maybe I'm not looking hard enough, right? I'm not looking hard enough. Uh, and it was the, the same thing in the in the aftermath of the shootings that somehow I I was very aware that how you handled it would be the way that I handled it and vice versa, that, that somehow I had to walk in a certain light and with a certain strength. Um, but what I did not expect was how much you would teach me about grief and about handling grief because even though Tame was only eight years old, he stood firm in his grief for Ben and would ask very specifically for things that he needed in that grief. For example, uh when we were getting ready for the funeral, and and by the way, there w- there were parents, many parents who did not take their children to the funerals. So but Tane but um Ben was a member of our church. Ben's mother is Tane's godmother. So I knew we were going to that funeral.
0: Yes. Right. See. I don't understand why some people don't take their kids to funerals especially when it's your friend when it's a kid's friend who died and the kids like hey mom mom can I go to the funeral and pay my respects to my departed friend and they're like no you will not go to the funeral you will not it's too dark it is too it is too uh, no no you're not going stay in your room and sit in the corner and play checkers
2: it will make you cry mm-hmm. right there was there was a big thing about you know Probably. Parents getting upset because children were crying, or this made me cry. But the biggest thing was was to take him to that service and to let him cry, and we all cried oceans, right? Mm -hmm. And even as we were getting ready for that for that service, and and as you can imagine, so many people around, and and I was responsible for taking some people to the church. And that morning, Tane said to me, he wanted pictures of Ben to wear on his clothing. And as you can imagine, this is, you know, I'm I'm saying, okay, you look fine, you look great, you know, wanting to get out of the house, but then he asked for this. And I could have easily have said, we don't have time for this team, we really have to go. But to understand that he made a direct request, and I didn't even quite know what it meant, but I knew that I needed to fulfill it. So I went to the computer, you know, we were already going through pictures of Ben, printed out Mm -hmm. um, pictures, cut them up, put tape on them, paper clips, put them on your clothing, right? And then during the service and after the service, people would come up to him, and he was able to point to these pictures and talk about his friend.
0: Actually, I still have those pictures. Oh, gosh, my mic is falling off. Uh, I still have those pictures in my room. One is on my door, and the other ones are on my shelf above my, um, above my books. Oh. The other two are.
2: And you also have uh, the candle that they created for the service. Yes. You asked for one of those as well. And I said, yes, uh-huh. you can take it home.
0: Oh, and I also have this picture uh, that we took at uh, Chuck E. Cheese on his birthday. I, rem- I remember that birthday. It was like the month before. It, it was, it was p- three
2: months before because his birthday is in September.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was about three months before we got Chuck E. Cheese. That, that was pretty fun. That was before. Um, so what happened was we ha- were having a party. We are about to eat the cake. Uh, ben didn't want the guy in the Chuck E. Cheese costume to come out because he was scary. I don't know. <laughs> bo- both Ben and his brother Nate have always had a fear of people in mascot costumes. Because I remember Nate telling me he was at Disney World one time. He didn't like the people in the mascot costumes. And ben was talking about how he wanted to take pictures in a photo booth. So we so we took the pictures. And we took the pictures. I gave him them. And I gave him the pictures to keep. And then, uh, like, a few... W- like a week or so after he died, his mom came and gave me ba- back the pictures and framed them, and um, they're in my room now.
2: Yeah. You know, in, in that time afterwards, um, you know, we were getting through. You know, I was, I was really impressed that Tame would be I- among strangers, and they would find out where we lived, and, you know, it would be very easy to say yes, and, and just to try to back away from the conversation, but Tame would go right in there and say yes, that was my school. And yes, my friend died, and at eight years old, you know. So if he was willing to do that, who am I to say no? Let's back away. Let's not um, dive into this. Um, a year after that, a teen, uh, we entered a resiliency program, a wonderful theater program that is still ongoing in Newtown. It's called New Arts and it's part of the 1214 Foundation. And it's a theater program that's created to help the children um, develop resiliency and leadership skills in the face of tragedy. And there is a documentary about that first um, original musical that they did. It's, um, the film is called okay. Midsummer in Newtown. And you can see it on Amazon Prime. And when they were filming that documentary, you see Tane um, both in the audition process and throughout developing the show. And the director of the documentary is interviewing the children throughout the process. And I was standing there many times with, you know, he standing behind the camera as he's talking to the children. And there's a point in the film where he asks Tane, what's the most important thing in your life? And I remember he's, you know, he's joking with the kids, right? And and we're waiting to hear about Pokemon or some video game. But instead, Tane looks right at him and says, God. Yeah. And the guy froze. The director froze. He looked at me. I was like... (laughs) 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 But but it it was a huge moment for that director because he started asking Tane about faith. And if you see the movie, you'll see that even the film takes a different turn. And Tane goes on to talk about faith and God's care of us. And when that movie premiered three years ago at Tribeca Film Festival, there was like a a moment, w- a hush that went over the audience.
0: And even in, even in that documentary, you see my faith, like, I, I don't even realize that uh, I'm saying something like that, sh- that would be shocking to people. I'm just like, God. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not even like I notice that, how shocked everyone is.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized how close to the surface his, face his faith was for him. And when we started doing press for that film, journalists, you know, people in the eyes—they would ask me about that moment, and that's actually how we came to write the book. Because it occurred to me that if people are asking, then perhaps we should be telling a story, and that story will hopefully model something that will help other families. So that's how we we came to be here. And if you like, we can take questions now. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Questions. Okay. I'm just going to start, if I can, with one question about that modeling. <coughs> oh. <coughs> um, whether it, and you you can both or either answer this, in terms of how your friends or people close to you have been influenced by you going all over the place, sharing this story, talking about faith, talking about things that people aren't always comfortable with or just used to talking about. How have you seen that in any way influence friends or people close to you? I mean, I feel like... Um,
0: like it's it again. It's been spreading like a forest fire again. So how like my my happiness and positivity has like been spreading to others, and I've and I I've noticed this like at school as well because people in my Cedar class or other friends have always just asked, "How are you always so happy all the time?" And uh, my my answer is just like, I I I don't know. I always just decide to be happy because. I really, as of now, I don't have a reason to be sad.
2: Well, but also, there, there is, no. and, I, and I know, I don't want to embarrass you to say this, huh? but there is a light about you, Tane. Yeah. And and people are, are drawn to that, and they may not even know what that is, right? Um, they may not know that that is, that is faith, but it is in you. And I think it's even stronger. I use the word model, Simon, because I think it's it's a powerful form of proselytizing without proselytizing. When we started going to church, and you'll still see this if you follow me in social media, you know I talk about what we're doing. You know there are pictures of us at church, and like oh, you know um, in my Facebook memories you'll see that oh somebody um, hurt their ankle, and here I am being an acolyte, and here's Tane, you know, at with his Sunday school. So it, it's just a natural part of of what I'm doing, and I didn't realize that that was affecting people until uh, one of my college reunions came up. And they wanted to do a panel on spirituality, and they asked me to be on this panel. And I I w- was kind of bewildered by that, but but they said, you, you seem to be close to something, and, and it feels like it's safe to talk to you about this. And so I, it, I'm only just still coming to understand that this is, for some reason, something that I'm able to do, both in person and as a writer, that – somehow by writing about my faith that I can somehow put words to the ineffable and and get people thinking about how it is that they are connected to source.
1: Thank you. I wonder if anybody has a question they'd like to ask. I'll bring the mic. I'm Steve. Uh, (coughs) What role does your dad and your husband have in this intimate
0: discussion that y'all have multiple times over. He's the one who claps in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, he, he very much, um, when uh, he is a, a what you would call a lapsed Catholic, right? So when I went and searched for a, t- a church for our family, I knew it had to be a place where he would be comfortable. And he basically said that he he knew that this would be part of our family journey. In fact, we agreed this, that we weren't going to go to church until we had some sign from Tane. So he, he somehow, it's not like he's abdicating it to me, but he knows that, that I have this connection with Tane on this. So he doesn't say no, but he also doesn't stay at home right? He will come and sing in the choir. He participates, and he knows that it's important for us to to do this as a family, and I'm hugely grateful for that, because there are many families that only come to church with one parent, and I think that's a hard thing.
1: Mm
0: Thank you. Um, Tane, I have a question for you. I know that uh, New Arts, the uh, students that are part of New Arts created a song. Can you Talk
1: just briefly about that song and what how uh, it came about. The anthem. Uh, rise above and go beyond. Yes,
0: yes. I, I I remember making that. Uh. So basically, we made that during we made that during Willy Wonka year when we did the show Willy Wonka. So what we would do is uh, we'd sit there with our music director Paul and we would write the lyrics to the song. And we were going to do it to surprise um, our director Michael Unger. And every time he'd walk in, we'd have we were we were basically writing two songs. We were writing the anthem, and we had to make it look like we were writing a song because Michael found out we were writing a song, so we had to make it sound like we were we were just writing one for ourselves, but wasn't the anthem. So whenever he would walk in, we'd have to we'd have to change, um, change it and, and make you it look what like the, we're the doing
2: lyrics the other of the anthem are so everyone understands what I it add. is. Yeah.
0: Uh, I know it's hard to hear it. No, 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 it's hard. It's hard to. It's been a year. I usually what happens is I hear people singing it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that that's right. That's the lyrics. Uh, gosh. Uh, uh. So the rise, above Ri- rise above and go beyond rise above and go beyond um never doubt that every time you fall we'll be there to catch you and together we'll stand strong remember how we made it the hardships we've been through showing the world just what we can do to rise up above and go beyond rise up above and go beyond there we go. <laughs> yay
2: first
0: one, first one. I didn't expect you to pull it all out like that. That's amazing. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> I'm here all night. Yeah. We'll actually but I'm but not. you see,
2: but the but y- the lyrics, um, but the lyrics you k- you guys came up with some amazing lyrics.
0: Actually, there's a hidden Easter egg if you listen to it. Um, it, it spells out New Arts like never doubt is the end. Ze- that wait, wait, never doubt that. New that every time you follow the E, will be there to catch you. The W. New N E W, a. a and together we'll be strong. Remember, is the R the hardships showing the world. Yeah, 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 it's new art. It spells it out. Cool. That that was that was someone's idea, not mine. I don't remember whose idea <laughs> that was. It was two <laughs> years ago now. So. Who else?
1: Yes. I'm thinking about how. Uh, is this on? It's on. I'm thinking about how post-traumatic stress disorder um, can no doubt play a part in all of this. And as you know, PTSD is certainly all in the news these days for many, many, many reasons. What What's do you that again?
2: Use post-traumatic stress disorder. What is it? PTSD.
1: Oh, sorry. It's trauma, you know, when you're reliving. Okay, or, or okay
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. How, do you, how might you use your faith and, and social media to uh, deflect that in – And inform others about how they can repair themselves following PTSD. I mean,
0: I don't really use social media because I don't use it that much. She's she's more of a social media person. But um, how? I mean, I guess one way I try and help other people from from be from having reliving trauma so it's just like being there for other people making them happy making them smile making them laugh all the time
2: and i think also giving them the space to tell their story like like your friend becca who still has anxiety issues yeah right because the thing about ptsd <coughs> is that it's it's an inability to to tell that story right without reliving it and and you it's like you're you're stuck in that place um The hard part about social media with that, though, is that people make assumptions. And so when things happen, I I get these messages of people saying, you know, how terrible this is for you, and and I'm sorry you have to relive this. And it's hard to explain to them that that that's not where we are because we we don't do that because, because we lived it and told that story when we were supposed to do it right so it's hard to explain that to people um that's hard that's a hard message to put out there in social media and that's definitely one um where i can only uh, again model that because because so many people are tied to being in that they don't even realize that that there's a thing that you have to let go before you can come through that ptsd um our community is is so I can't tell you how difficult it is and divide it because we all grieve so differently and don't realize it, right? And now we're in a, n- a new place of grieving because of Jeremy's death this past week. And it's it's the same thing. It's trying to hold on to your own way of processing it while trying to expect respect others as well and hoping that they'll respect mine. It's really hard.
1: there others who have questions? Hookey mm. yeah. yeah. okay.
0: dokey. Oh, no problem. Well, it's really good to get things out when you write about it because, like when you when you write about it you you can see it on paper and read and read how it sa- how it sounds out loud so you 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 kind of find out a bit more you kind of learn a bit more about yourself when you, you write it down too. so it it kind of helped me as well to learn more about my face as well when I saw it on words on paper
2: yeah um it's like that for, for writers. I, d- I encourage people. I like, you know, sometimes you don't know what you believe until you write it down, right? Um, I think, I forget what writer said that. Just like sometimes I don't know what I think until I've written it, right? And um, it was, it was hard getting Tane to, f- to focus on that because he was 12, right, when yep. we were working on this book. And even now the piece that, that, um, that you just read Right, that was a new expression for you to even go deeper in, uh-huh. in talking about this because you're at a different age now, but um, but he asked the right questions, which was what impressed me. Right, he asked. He even said, "I'm aware that I'm writing about myself in a way that I'm not that person anymore." Right, he's writing about an eight-year-old, and we talked about how it's possible to research your life. Right, that there were things he had written in Sunday school, there were pictures he'd drawn, and we were and talks that he had with our former pastor. And so he had to, you know, interview her and go back and find those materials and really reconstruct who he was as a child uh, to understand the faith where he is now.
1: I'm go- I, I see you, Mark, I'm just going to ask a question on behalf of uh, – we have sixth graders and up in the room here. Okay. We may have some that are less than sixth grade. But um, Tane, what advice would you give them, the, the sixth graders and up in the room, in terms of um, – whether it's dealing with difficulties in their life, maybe that's the question. Dealing with difficulties that they face, um, how would you? What kind of advice or guidance would you offer them?
0: Well, going through difficulties in your life, so what you should try and do is first of all try and balance out everything in r- in your life because stress from other things can just make it worse, like school homework stress and like s- doing activities and stuff after school, like Boy Scouts and choir just using some of my examples but but say something happens like try and surround yourself with the people who who you love and who love you and try and do the things that you like because well do things that make you happy because that'll help you be able to cope with with the things that have been going on and stuff
2: so so basically what you're saying is is to have your life in, a, in an ordered way to have people you love around you to do the things that you like to do so that when bad things happen, that you have that natural support, mm-hmm. right? I see. That's good advice. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks again to both of you for being here today. Sophronia. my question's for you. Um, the specific question is, what was your day job before the shooting? Were you a writer then? And the broader general question is, do you feel like your life now is, is kind of two separate parts, before and after the shooting?
2: You know, I was, um, I had entered a uh, MFA program. I was getting my master's. And at the time, so yeah, I've been a writer since I was a kid, so I've always been a writer. Um, but that particular week, you know, that, that whole time, that year, I was actually a substitute school bus driver so that I could finance my, my graduate degree. And... That morning, and I write about this, um, I have another book, an essay collection that's out right now that's called Love's Long Line. And uh, I I refer a little bit to it in my sermon, um, but that morning, you know, I was, I was writing, I drive, I drove the school bus, right? So three hours each day and Tame would be in the bus with me, you know, riding, driving high school, um, middle school, elementary school kids to school. But that morning I didn't drive to Sandy Hook. And, you know, what I barely remember from that day, actually, is that, and and this is something that Tane and I had talked about, that, that when tragedy happens, and once you know that you're okay, then it's kind of like you have to get to work, like, okay, what is needed, what has to be done? And one of the things that happened that afternoon after Tane came home was that I got a call from the bus station asking me to come in, like, if I could drive, do you feel you can drive? because there were students that still had to be brought home. And the Sandy Hook bus drivers were so devastated that they were short of all of these drivers. So I knew that, that you know this was a space. I'm always looking for a space of where, where d- what is the work to be done, especially work that I can do that nobody else can do. And that afternoon, I, d- I drove kids home. <laughs> so uh, what was the other part of your question? Your oh, before and after. think so because i don't i don't think about life in that way i'm i'm this is a journey it is part of the tapestry of my life right but i don't think of of before and after that like there was this special time that was innocent somehow and now it is not
0: i so mean maybe for me but m- probably not before and after a shooting probably just because eight-year-old 14-year-old you're definitely a different person, cause because every every one has definitely changed from from when they were younger to when they were older. Like my friend Thea, because when she was four, she wanted to be the ice cream man so she could have all the ice cream for herself, <laughs> and now she wants to be an animator. So, so yeah, everyone changes.
2: Actually, that but is um, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to write about this, but I think the thing that shocks me now is when i look at pictures i forget i forget how young you were Mm -hmm. right because you always have been saying such sensible things and we our conversations haven't changed really that much so i still see you as this 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 whole being and then when i look at these pictures and see how young you were that's that that's that's heartbreaking to me in a certain way so but i'm still trying i'm still processing that
1: I just want to recognise that if um, my mother had said to me, "Hey, let's go around the country talking to churches of complete rooms of sp- rooms of complete strangers," I would have ran away. You <laughs> um, <laughs> have a wonderful wisdom and light about you, Tain. Thank you. As do you, Sophronia. Um, I want to share that if, if if any of you, no matter your age, are finding things are being stirred up because of this morning, please do know that. Uh, the, the clergy and staff are here and here for you, and we'll be here in an ongoing way. I also want to just raise up that one of the most powerful ways we can be a uh, support to one another is to be involved in one another's lives beyond our family, uh, one another's lives as a church community. And it is not, this is not a shameless plug to get you to somehow volunteer for Sunday school It's a genuine invitation to ministry, and it may not be for you, of course, but it might be, and it might be that simply having a conversation and learning about that this morning or at some other time, or the ways by which we do come alongside people uh, on their earliest journey of faith, uh, it is a life-changing thing. I want to give opportunity um, for some of you to ask questions. without the microphones on um, after this. And then I'm going to ask one of the staff, whoever's the last out of the room, to make sure you have Sophronia with you, Uh, (laughs) because she's going to be preaching at the 11.15. You have our heartfelt thanks this morning. Thank you so much for being here.